Welcome to Movie Phone. <laughs> if you know the name of the movie you would like to see, press 1. 1. You have selected... Star Trek. My Dinner with Andre. <laughs> wanted Star Trek. Welcome to A Star to Steer Her By, a Star Trek cat, Trek cast. Yep. A Star Pod Trek cast. Above Free Flow. That was as good as it's going to get, guys. This is episode 42. We gave Jake sugar. This was a mistake. Speaking of which, my name's Jake. And today I'm joined by Chris. Ames. And Caitlin. And today we're going to engage. Uh, engage. Hey. Um, you know, we should save that for TNG. Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of Star Trek, the animated series. And I use the term animated very loosely here. Oh. The first episode we'll be talking about is yeah, Beyond the Farthest Star. And the second episode is. Yesteryear. I feel like you're drawing bingo numbers. Let's do a brief synopsis. So before we go into the synopsis, we should mention that these are, in fact, cartoons. That's mm-hmm. what we mean by animated. This is after TOS was canceled. The style of the animation is, it's like if you took Hanna-Barbera quality and then paid half as much for it. <laughs> took Hanna-Barbera quality and actually took video of it from your phone while it was playing on a VHS tape on your television. It's not even that. That, that would, would still move more. Yeah, that would yeah, still have more, more movement and continuity between shots. Oh my that. god. <laughs> Heavens to Murgatroyd! <laughs> <laughs> so, in Beyond the Farthest Star, well, the intrepid crew of our Enterprise, the, the whole crew is back, even Chekhov, who has gone through a deep fryer. <laughs> Brought another arm, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Doc was a little drunk when he was doing the surgery. Yeah. No, I like to, my head, I, I'm sure we'll meet the new navigator or whatever he's supposed to be that replaces Chekhov, because Chekhov is not in the show. Because they couldn't afford the ham sandwich they, he they was couldn't asking afford, for They couldn't episode. afford Walter. No, you know what it was? It's not they couldn't afford it. He was like, you know what? I am done. Every week it's here's twenty dollars and maybe maybe Shatner does not want seconds. He always wants seconds. I like how Walter is in character as Chekhov. At just, all times. He just can't help it. He's that he's that you know, when he's on set, he is Chekhov. He is it's a method. consummate professional. Seriously yes. method. I um, bet he's not. Nah, I, I, don't. I feel like he wasn't. I bet he like pinched girls' butts and like made well, lots of well, that's what nasty. Off would do. But I mean, that's why I think Walter uh, Koenig would do it. But yeah, so the entire cast from the original series is back as the voices of their respective characters, except for Walter. So in Beyond the Farthest Starts, our premiere, our pilot—I don't know if it's a pilot. It's probably not a pilot. It's probably just the premiere. They probably didn't do a pilot. The Enterprise is still on their five-year mission, so this is still part of that. They uh, encounter in space some sort of weird alien ship that no one has seen anything this big before. Even it doesn't look that big. No, um, I thought I thought Baylock's ship was bigger. So they beam over. They find that they're like 
the ship is like these pods that are connected. They have these cool like life support belts that they can walk around in space instead of having spacesuits. So they don't have to animate them. Yeah. Mm. Although it probably would be easier to not to just have spacesuits moving anyway. And they find that this ship is completely abandoned, and each of these pods that's on it has been like burst from the inside. So they're like, "What the fuck?" And then they find the the bridge, and like this weird alien dude. Comes on the video screen. He's like, "You found our ship. You're fucked." He <laughs> um, <laughs> said it was way harder to understand. Yeah, I, I, yeah. It was like slow mo. Well, they had to be using the translator device to make yes. it work. So, was but, this before or after the doors shut on them? This after, is after the doors shut, they got trapped mm. in this. Thing. So yeah, essentially, the video of the aliens like, "You're fucked." Um, so they beam out just in time as the ship blows up around them and they get back on the ship and the Enterprise and they've also beamed back with a stink cloud (laughs) like like the classic like you know Looney Tunes stink cloud which proceeds to go into the ventilation system and everyone's like aw who ripped one (laughs) Um, but no it turns out that it's actually a sentient fart Yeah, and it takes over the Enterprise, and then we find out that it's like an organism that can communicate with technology. Technology parasite. Yeah, Yeah. and it needs so it needs a host. So its previous host was the alien ship, and that ship was defunct. Like the aliens had disabled it, and that's like why it was all blown up. Now it has taken over the Enterprise. So like Kirk's like, "Fuck, Scotty, get ready to." To blow the ship, you know, go do the get get the self destruct ready, and then it starts this starts flying away. And then they like do a head fake on the thing. They're like, you know what? We're just gonna crash the ship into this planet. So fuck you. And then at the last minute before they hit the planet, was it the collapsed star? Or yeah, it was a collapsed star, right? Yeah, because yes. that's actually they'd been pulled there first. That's what started all this. Yes, this is by true. the hypergravity or whatever. It's irrelevant. Yeah. The alien jumps, leaves the Enterprise, and, and possesses the dead star. And it turns out that it was just a fake out. And, like, yeah. Sulu, was a, was he knew what he was doing the whole time. He wasn't going to crash the ship. They were just doing an orbit. Doing some chicken. Do, doing a little chicken. Doing a little chicken. With and a star. Uh, and then, like, there's star this really sad thing is they're flying away from the planet. And the alien's like, no, don't leave me alone. It's so roadly over here. Like, you could have just asked instead of being a dick then. Yep. So, so that, he gets the double bird as they fly away. Yeah, pretty well, much. Double dumbass on you. He got double dumbassed. So that's your uh, <laughs> Beyond the Farthest Star. Yesteryear, all my Vulcans were over here. Uh, <laughs> so it turns out in Yesteryear, we pick up, we've been doing a naughty thing and playing with the Guardian of Forever because that's what you do. You just goof around. Let's go for a little trip. Let's go to the history of the shit up. So they're doing some historical research at the Guardian. Kirk comes out. He's been gallivanting around in the past. He comes out of the Guardian and Bones is there. He's like, oh, hey, Jim, how you doing? And then Spock comes out and Bones is like, who's that? What? And like, you know Mr. Spock. He's our best friend for many years that we've been friends. And, like, that's how every introduction on this episode goes. Because everything has to be explained. It's a kid's show, I guess. And, of course, it's dun-dun-dun. No one knows who Spock is. What? So they get up, they beat up to the ship, and they meet this Andorian dude. I don't remember his name. Phalius or something? Yeah, Phalius. Fa- fa- <laughs> um, Commander doesn't really... Commander... Th- Thalian? Th- 
Thalen? Thalen sounds right. An Andorian, and and Kirk's like, who are you? And he's like, why, Jim, I'm your first officer and best friend for many years that we've been together on this ship. So then through the course of the episode, we find out that, oh, here's what happened. This makes zero sense. Nope. Yeah. Well, Kirk and so Spock, they find out, uh, and like this is another case where like the information does not get given out. Like there's so many things. It's like, oh, if we had just told you all the information up front, we would have figured this out much sooner. But that's beside the point. So like through like prying information out of the other crew members on the ship, they're finally able to gather that a Vulcan boy named Spock was killed on his home world doing the. The Vulcan bar mitzvah ritual. Basically. And and then Spock's like, hmm, that's interesting. I almost died on my bar mitzvah. Except I was except I was rescued by a distant cousin. And Kirk's like, did that distant cousin happen to look exactly like you do now? And Spock's <laughs> like, you know what? You're right. You're thinking like you're smelling what the rocks cooking. You're thinking like a Vulcan now. <laughs> you're not a jabroni. You're thinking what the... Do you smell what the Spock's cooking? (laughs) Uh, You're picking up what I'm throwing down. people's eyebrows. Yes. Hey. So, um, anyway. So, the explanation of this is that because Kirk and Spock were time-traveling somewhere else, somehow that prevented Spock from time-traveling to Vulcan to rescue little Spock, which he only does because... The two historians, the bird creature and the bitch woman, were like reviewing <laughs> reviewing the Vulcan timeline at the same time, and therefore because you couldn't ha- be working it twice, it's like putting a, an aluminum foil in a, in a microwave. Right? Yes, yeah, that makes more sense. That's than what happened. Yeah. Really that's basically bad. what happened. They put aluminum foil into the Guardian, and it blew up. <laughs> There's a predestination paradox so here big. where Spock yeah. has to have rescued himself in order to be alive, mm-hmm. and that's just how it is. So Spock goes back to, goes to the Guardian and is like, okay, Guardian, show me my childhood. And the Guardian, Survey says. And the Guardian goes in, or the Guardian shows him, and Spock goes in, and then he finds a little Spock getting bullied by the bad boys at school. And the bad kids are mean, and and then like Sarek's a dick, and he's like, Spock, you're such a, you shouldn't have hit that kid. And um, <laughs> then we meet Spock's pet Daggett. Um, Sell it. Sell it. <coughs> yeah. Achaya. He was so Achaya. cute. I loved Achaya. So Spock's pet bear monster. Sell it. It's a sell it. You no, know, it's a bear monster. It's like it's, it's more like a fat mountain lion. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Guys, it's a sell it. What Caitlin said. Yeah, I feel like that looks like an animal from a, some some Hanna Barbera cartoon. I just can't remember which one. But anyway, so he meets Spock's pet, and then Spock's like, I gotta prove to my dad that I'm a big boy, so <laughs> I'm gonna go out and do the the ritual where the, the Vulcan kids have to do something at a certain age where they go out and survive on their own for a week. Ten days. For Yeah, yeah, for ten days, and then so Spock... Little little Spock decides, I'm gonna go do that on my own without telling anyone. So he leaves and he take and the dog follows him. <laughs> and sure enough, he gets attacked by a monster, and the dog has to jump in and protect him, and then Spock old Spock has to come in and neck pinch the monster. And How'd you even find the neck on that thing? That's like, it was they just showed it like <laughs> um, so he neck pinches the monster, and then uh, little Spock is like, You save me. 
kind friend, cousin, cousin, second cousin, second cousin Spork. <laughs> um, and then it turns out that the the dog got bit by the monster mm. and, during the fight, and then little Spock has to run into town to bring back the vet, and then the vet comes, he's like, oh, there's nothing I can do for him now. And little Spock's like, oh, but I love him so much. But then he has to let him die anyway. They put him down. The old yeller, the poor boy. Dude, I cried. I legit yeah. cried. I was close to crying. I was so. like, I can't fucking celebrate. So effectively, Spock has saved his young self, but he didn't save his dog, who the dog was alive in Spock's yeah, timeline. That was so apparently he didn't set it all back to normal. He just fucked it up somehow. Well, you know why? Because it took him too long to, like, remember that it was actually the week before. Oh, no! Probably. Right, yeah. Right? Something yeah. like that. He probably got there, like, a second too late because he didn't remember. Oops. So he comes back to the present and, uh, he finds that everything's back to normal except Chekhov is now a horrible burn victim. <laughs> before we even talk about the episodes, I think we gotta talk about the animation. <laughs> It was it was it was, it was, it was yeah it was quotes. animated by Filmation, which was a low budget animation com- co- company that did a lot of the DC comics. They did Ghostbusters. They did Fat Albert, and it was basically a use as little new fucking footage as possible so that you don't have to do a lot of actual animating. Yeah, like, like just move the mouth, the face can stay still. Kind Xerox of that shit. Yeah. Now Ghostbusters, you know did they do the cartoon based off the movies or that other one? No, I think it was the other one, okay. the original you know, Ghostbusters. You know what's funny though? Actually, I wonder if it's the same. Remember that? You know that horrible Phantom of the Opera cartoon that I have that I made you watch? Vaguely. I wonder if it was the same company. Maybe. Though I almost feel like Phantom of the Opera looked way better than this did. Yeah, well, I mean, this just like it was like each shot was a static picture yeah drawing of something and then the mouse would move or like a hand might move maybe they're feeling generous i liked how in the first episode there there was in early some early shots on the bridge where it was show where sometimes the not not Chekhov, the the alien Chekhov guy was sitting next to Sulu and then in other shots it was a red shirt sitting next to Sulu well, well, in a way, that's actually like a throwback to the show. Yeah, <laughs> sometimes use that. That there was that one shot they like using from the back of the bridge. Yeah, With, like clearly the... not Chekhov. It was that big blonde guy yeah. that like he would just be sitting in his chair sometimes. True. Oh, you know what stat I found that's kind of amazing is that the animated series, Star Trek: The Animated Series, was the most expensive animated series of the time because they had to pay all of the original cast, except for uh, Koenig, but because their cast was so expensive. I see. The first. Two or I believe three ish episodes that they did, they got the whole cast like reunion. Uh, I'll see each other again after I think four years ish or three or four years ish. Get get them all back together. They all did their voices at the same time, but in uh, episodes after that, they did them separately, all in just soundproof rooms individually. They would do like Kirk when he was away doing Broadway or what wherever, just on location wherever he was at any given time, which means you're not getting the response kind of feel to it that, you know, it's like you're really acting with your partner. It's you're acting alone in a room. Isn't that how a lot of stuff is done now? That is how a lot of America... I mean, I think, I don't know when it started, but generally speaking, that is how most American animation is done. It's weird They very rarely have all the actors in a room together. I think they will sometimes for film. No, even like like your average big-budget, like, Disney movie... 
they usually don't have the actors together. How do you how do you get like the emotional connection? Uh, I don't know. Really that good weirds me out. That that's just how good some voice actors are. It's, I mean, I was already feeling in these two episodes, and it's partly because the animation style you can't tell when they're looking at each other, mm-hmm. and they don't have facial features. Like I think in was it in the farthest star? It's in, yeah, it's in the far of the star when Kirk is getting zapped by the alien in charge of the ship that you see an actual expression on his face that isn't yeah. just blank and yeah. apathetic. Yeah. But yeah, no, it is. It's it's pretty much the norm in American animation to not have your actors together. I can imagine um, this, that's like a schedule kind of payroll problem, too. Maybe. So, um, but but yeah, and again, it's, it's, it's relative. I mean, I'm sure there are some that do it other ways. And I know from what I've read, it is more common, for example, in Japanese animation to have your cast together. Mm. I don't know how other countries do it. I only know about us in Japan. But that's actually normal. Because yeah. you also have to separately mic them and make sure you don't get mic bleed or put yeah. them each in their own little soundproof rooms or something. But Yeah, I mean, it probably huh. the advantage is probably if you're the, one of the later ones, you probably get the pre-recorded lines from your castmates. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I think you're fed lines by, like, the director or something. Yeah, the animation is... I mean, I wasn't expecting much because, you know, from, like, the 60s through the early 80s, American animation was infamously terrible. It was the rule of Hanna-Barbera and Filmation and other low-budget outfits cranking out garbage. Mm. But, um, even so, man, some of this shit made Hanna-Barbera look like fucking 40s Warner Brothers. (laughs) See, the funny thing is, like, the animation looked bad, but some of the art was really good. Like, the alien ship in Beyond the Farthest Star I thought was really cool. It was a neat idea, yeah. It was a nice-looking ship, like the, the spider bee ship. Yeah. Spun by... Spiders honeycombed like bees. I can already tell from these two episodes that that one clip of Kirk running where it's like, you know, if you at home have watched, which you should be. should watch this. It's, um... It's on Netflix. You have no excuse. And I think Amazon, if you have Amazon Prime. Might even be on Hulu. Anyway. But there's this one shot they keep using of Kirk, like, yeah, sort of head on. He throws up his forearm. Yeah, and he's running, like, shoulder first at the camera. Like, you feel like he's trying to do the Dracula cape over the face thing. Yeah. Like, blah, I'm Captain Kirk. <laughs> but he's running. He's like, I, think oh, yeah. they, I think they don't quite know how people run. They don't. Because we see the close-ups where they're running shoulder first, hunched over like they're leaping in. <laughs> and then the, whenever you see them like in the distance, when they write, animate them as silhouettes, because cheap, yep. they're kind of less skip-prancing. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, I really wish they hadn't tried to put the star inside the arrowhead. Why? It I just takes notice. up... Yeah, like Kirk's little yeah, button commands. It, it takes up most of his badge. Oh, no. Well, again, it's just extremely inconsistent between shots. Yeah. Sometimes it was like, <clears throat> yeah. and other times it wasn't. Yeah, like they just shouldn't have bothered with it at all. Yeah. Yeah, it was, an, it was a not necessary detail. And like... No one would have missed it. Yep. Yeah, it definitely seemed... It, it, it has the air of, oh, shit, this is due next week? Fuck. Yeah. It kind of does. The other funny thing that I read online somewhere was that they canceled the original series, and then NBC got the updated Nielsen numbers because, and like I guess Nielsen, the whole system had to be updated because they were cranking out wrong numbers, and they realized TOS was actually pretty much a success. No, and wah, wah. they were like. Well, shit, and I think they even went to Roddenberry to be like, so about season four, maybe kind of yay? Uh, and they had already, like, deconstructed the sets and shit and gotten rid of all the, a lot of crap, and, and it's like, 
it would be more expensive to put it back together to make it work again. And then and years later, they settled for animation or something, which some people consider like the, the fourth and fifth years of their five-year mission. And some people are like, no, fuck that noise. It astounds mm, me that canon. to this day, yeah. fucking networks still treat Nielsen like his fucking gospel. Yeah. It's fucking ludicrous. How, how does Nielsen work exactly? I don't know. They, like, I know we were a Nielsen family at one point. And they just sent, I mean, this was the 90s. They sent us just like, a little booklet to record our TV viewing habits for, like, a couple of weeks, yeah. and then we mailed them back. That's how, that's how it used to work. It, it would be... So, so it's a random sampling of people willing well, to do paid, this? You yeah. get paid to be... Well, you get paid. Yeah, but the people willing to do this even for pay are kind of, are probably people who aren't representative of the fucking... Culture. Yeah. And it's a self-report, so you basically say what you were watching when. Oh. And then it was... I wasn't it, watching nothing but porn, I swear. Yeah, and then like the last 20 years or so, Star it's Trek. since been updated so that there's actually a set-top device. Yeah, they like plug it into your TV, right? right? Mm. Yeah, and it actually... And like it's gotten pretty sophisticated, so it doesn't just monitor... Like, it used to just like, I don't, like tap into your... TV's antenna or something to figure out what you're tuned to, but now it like it actually has like audio pickups. I've heard so that like the NSA can hear your secret well, plots well, and thoughts. At least yeah. Nielsen can. So like it can listen to like if you're watching something on an iPad or something, it can hear it. That's horrifying. It does, like, if you murder your wife, they'll know. It can also tell if you're uh, actually just fucking during whatever was on TV yes. instead of mm, saying, just, like, this gets sh- me so hot, guys. Just shazams. It can shazam pretty what much if, anything what if you're you, watching. What if you leave something on and accidentally like, like go out and aren't actually watching the program? You just yeah, fucked so, everything yeah, up. Yeah, you fucked up the numbers. Well, I mean, you just gave Star Trek the original series a fourth season. <laughs> <laughs> like, in this day and age, though, seriously, like, there's no... They have to give people into your boxes. I mean, they really can't just tell what everyone's watching these days automatically. Think, no, they probably could, but I think Nielsen has probably a monopoly on. They probably do. The d- and I think for that, do they include? I don't know if they have yet. If they've started including time shifted watching, like I know at first they weren't including people watching on demand later or oh, like, d- like or like DVRing something. Yeah, or, huh. yeah, they weren't taking account of that, which is I the feel problem. Like almost of everyone does that right, now. Right, no one does appointment television anymore, basically. Well, yeah, yeah, they definitely, I think they have changed it, but I think it falls it took under a different category, too. There's, yeah. Because they have, like, different categories. They have, like, watch the watch a show live, and that's a category. And then they have, like, watch a show within 24 hours yeah. of being live. I mean, the short version is they're still fucking garbage. And the fact that networks act like they're good at what they do is fucking laughable. Mm. I mean, the problem is I just think for networks, isn't there's not much of a better way for them right now, other than Facebook poll. Yes, Facebook poll. You know, obviously, like something like Netflix. I think that's a lot. One of the big reasons why every company wants their own streaming service, like CBS. And, yeah. You know, because then they can they can actually see literally who who is watching and what they're watching, when they're watching it, and then they and they have all that data. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Problem is, they're a little late to the party. Yeah. Shitty animation aside, that theme is also garbage. I wasn't a fan. It's like really jazzy. And our, so well, jazz. one of our one of our listeners commented on our Facebook page. I think it was um, well, definitely Eric. I think what he said it's like a game show theme. Yeah, I can, he's right. I can kind of see that. I also thought maybe variety show. I just think it's, it's generic like seventies <coughs> TV. Well, show it's very seventies, but but one of the more upbeat ones that again you would see on like a game show, a variety show, or something. It does. It feels wrong. For this, either way, it's too peppy. I mean, is this is like who is this for? Is my question. Who whose target audience is 
the animated series. I'm sure it was obviously a kid's show. Because it's, yeah, it, it was, I mean, it was nominated and won an award for best animated children's program. Yeah, yeah. we go, like, Yeah, it was probably, I mean, it, I don't know if it was actually aired on Saturday mornings, but it's essentially a Saturday morning I cartoon. I think it was. Yeah. I miss those days. Saturday morning cartoons were the best. Yeah. Gilligan's Planet. <laughs> Is that a real thing? Yes. Yes. Stop. Nope. When? It's from like the early 80s. Oh, it was way it was before our time. But yeah, that, I think I think that was also a filmation. Reflections, oh, probably. No. So, should we actually talk about the episodes more directly? Yeah, sure. They were bad. No, they weren't that bad. I didn't think they were bad. Like the first one was okay. It's hard to get into when you're trying to figure out this animation style and and be fed the exposition by still frame Spock. It's not just that though. I mean, the first one was okay. It, it, the, I'll give the, credit the, for well, the, the ending was interesting. We'll get to that. Oh, I liked it. It, it feels like you know, it did in some ways feel like an original series episode because it's like, oh god, weird spaceship. We we gotta we're stuck in an area. We gotta figure out, and then. Oh God! We know things are bad because the phasers have been depowered. Which I think that was a point you made ages ago, Jake, or someone did. Like that's how you know shit was bad in TOS. The phasers are broken. Yeah, and the mm. communicators are broken. Yeah, and the tricorders are broken. Yeah, and then they get to the ship, and oh look, the Enterprise has been taken over again by an alien. Uh, it was a pretty tired plot. Of it was. It was that. like this feels just like the garbage I was getting bored of by the end of the third season. It well was. Done. It was basically Charlie X, but with. An alien that looked like a like a crab fart ant. Um, what did you say? Fart cloud, like Jacob said. Oh, what, what did you say? I said crab ant. Oh. Because that was like the ones on the spider bee colony. Of course, a cringe. Oh, but they weren't the ones that took over the end. No, they weren't. But they, they, but you actually could see... Yes, yes. They, 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 like a, they had new faces that aren't just people in makeup. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that is a nice thing that, that yeah. the animation allows is that they can have crazier aliens. Like yeah. the giant bird man. And, crazier ships. And weird Pavel. And that, and that's great, but everything else isn't. I actually have a question, mm. uh, which is not to do. It's more to do with the show than the episode, and I'm sorry, but you keep mentioning Chekhov, and I have to go there. Why was Leonard Nimoy Leonard Nimoy willing to go to bat for Sulu and Uhura, but not for for Walter Koenig? Like, did Walter Koenig like poop in his soup? Like, what was the problem? <laughs> Koenig owed him five bucks. I kind of wonder, though... Which he's only going to get paid back if he can get the five bucks from the episode. See, here's the thing. Like, I kind of wonder how much they considered Chekhov as core cast back They have then. Chapel. Chapel is they present. Sh- they showed Chapel in the background. I and mean, also, Majel, Majel, Jean, Bar- yeah. Majel Barrett, uh, like, for any of the random women, yeah, it's Majel Barrett. clearly Amanda. She was clearly example. Amanda. She's going to be clearly a lot of other ladies yeah. in the show. But Sarek like how was, Like how Doohan is most of the men in the show. Right. Was Sarek actually played by Sarek's actor? Because I feel like it Mark sounded Leonard? like Mark Leonard? Yes, he was. Yeah. Thought so. Yeah, DC Fontana was very happy about that. But yeah, because like, I, I kind of wanted that because... Chekhov wasn't in that many episodes. Even Sulu may have been in fewer than Chekhov. Yeah, I because feel of like all he the recording that, um, that he was uh, missing from a lot. Was yeah. he? Yeah. Um, and I mean, like the three really. I mean, Uhura, Chekhov, and Sulu were not in a lot of episodes. No, but they were all on the bridge, like yeah. the most consistently, but, which to me means that they are. I, I also know, and here's here's this might help with your question a little bit. I know that Nimoy went to the bat specifically because he wanted his friends to get work. Because after the show was canceled, they were they're having trouble getting work. But also because if one of the points of the show's casting originally was to be diverse, 
Mm. You get that diversity if you get Nichelle Nichols and you get George Takei. That's true. Mm, that's true. That is a good point. And also they figured they'd already checked the bad actor box with Shatner coming back to yeah. his role. So they didn't really need another token. Shatner, the voice acting from Shatner felt very phoned in. All of it felt really phoned. Even Nimoy was kind of like, shitty. I mean, I think maybe Nimoy, just because he's got such a distinctive voice, sounded better to me. And, maybe. And I felt like... DeForest Kelly did a good job. He didn't have a lot of lines in these episodes, but when this, he spoke... This goes back good. to the, the whole idea that, you know, if you're doing voice acting alone in a cube, not acting off of your, your friends, and doing it only... Like, all you all your your medium is, is your voice. Mm, yeah. And that's very different for, for actors, I think, than you get to act and use your face and use your hands and use and there is, movement. It is a very different skill set between voice acting and acting and not everyone can do both and that's fine. I mean, there was a whole thing when the first Destiny came out a couple of years ago. It was a big deal because they got Peter Dinklage to be the voice of your like little AI companion. Mm. Peter Dinklage is a great actor. Great actor. He is a terrible voice actor it turns oh, out. Oh, is that the wizard thing? Yeah, wizard came from the moon. Like, his performance was so infamously bad they eventually patched it out and replaced him with Nolan North, who was a professional video game voice actor. Really? Yeah. Ooh, ouch. Yeah. Burn. Well, but I Nolan think Peter's doing all right right now. Oh, yeah, no, I mean, he doesn't need the money. <laughs> but it's just like, that just we goes to show that voice acting isn't automatically something you can do just because you're a good actor. And Peter Dinklage is a good actor, and Shatner, well... But yeah, beyond to beyond the father's farthest star, farthest star. Because I was like thinking that too. Ass. I thought that earlier. Yeah, the ending though, it was like it was very Charlie X. It was, but it was like again, like just, and I love Charlie X. You do, so. but we didn't. I just this, like I feel like we just didn't get to know the alien well enough. And it was just like I feel yeah, like they, they spent a long time. I mean, firstly, they're they're shorter episodes now. Yeah, they're what twenty five minutes tops or something like that. But yeah, they spent a long time. Looking at the the giant space bee ship yeah. before they got to the actual dilemma of the program. Yeah. And it was just like, it was so overtly malevolent from the offing. It's like, I don't feel bad for you. Like with Charlie, it was like, all right, you had a shitty sort of situation. I still think you need to go away, but I do kind of feel a certain amount of, you could have turned out better if only. Mm. This weird green fucker is just like, fuck you, pal. I feel 30, like 30,000 years so old. lonely. It was just a ruse thinking, maybe they'll come back and then I can fuck them. Can we talk about what the fuck nice. Scotty was doing with the warp core that he ended up getting trapped half he in was, it? He was <laughs> trying to activate the self-destruct mechanism because apparently it's penis? no longer voice activated. You yes. have to climb inside the warp core to yep. do this. Yes. Seems, seems safe. Seems, and I think he lost two crewmen doing it. And a finger. And a finger! <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I'm so glad. <laughs> oh, may he rest in peace. <clears throat> But yeah, it was just like... I mean, again, I gave them credit. It's like, I'm bored to tears, but this does feel like an episode of TOS. Uh, not a good episode. <laughs> yeah, it feels a lot like an episode of TOS. Somehow it's too long, even though it's 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah. You spend way too much time on bullshit that wasn't the actual plot, uh, and the animation was bad. Yeah. And, the, and like the alien was just a green... Fart cloud. Yeah. Fart cloud. cloud. I mean, yeah, I, I was honestly like... That's what happens when it. you fart in the transporter, right? That's true. I was like, if this is indicative of how this show is going to go, it's, it's going to be... 
Yeah, we're in trouble. It's going to be a rough, rough couple ride. of weeks. Because yesteryear was hot garbage. No, you didn't I liked like it. yesteryear. I fucking detested yesteryear. Okay, isn't yesteryear supposed to be the best one? Isn't it the one that gets yeah, the that highest? Yeah, that one had like a 7.8 or something. Shit. It's the one that was written by DC Fontana before she, she kind of... She didn't write any other episodes for TAS. I think she was still script editor. Or yeah, the, like the credits have her list as like story yeah. editors. I'm going like, to pull up the animated series what? again real quick to take a look. Well, how the fuck did anybody like read this script and be like, oh yeah, that time travel plot makes any sense at all? I was very confused by the whole you can't be you can't be running the Guardian of Forever in like dual mode and yeah. have it work or something. Like. Yeah, those historians A should know better. But here's and the, and B, it still doesn't even make sense. So here's the thing: Adult Spock in okay, we're let's say prime timeline. Right? Yes. Prime timeline, adult Spock doesn't exist unless he goes back in time to save little Spock. Yep. But he wasn't so okay. And then in and then Beta timeline is with the uh, Andorian first officer. Mm-hmm. So in that scenario, old Spock does exist, but only because he was protected by by being inside the Guardian at the time. Yep. With Kirk, and Kirk is the only one who who remembers him. Right. So, and that, and because of that, he has to go back in time to save young Spock. Yep. So, what was the impetus for old Spock to go save young Spock in in the prime timeline? Exactly. There's no reason for him to ever nope. do that. Yet nope. he remembers being a child and being saved by himself. Like it seems like, if anything, the timeline with the Andorian first officer was actually the right one. That's the Alpha timeline, and yes. that somehow mm-hmm. something went wrong at some point. But because Kirk thinks that's the right timeline, he's gonna we fuck got, everything. Yeah, we have to. Maybe the gal, the the Guardian, just threw them into the uh, the other dimension or something. Just because he was bored. The mirror universe. Also, can we talk also about how the fact that the Guardian functions very inconsistently? In that, when we first met the Guardian, people on the planet were all protected from the timeline. Change. Yeah, you're right. I forgot about that. But in this time, they're not. But at the be- so at the beginning of the episode, when Kirk comes oh, out right. with Spock, McCoy doesn't recognize Spock. Right. So obviously, the effect of the timeline change doesn't extend to the surface of the planet. Nope. Maybe McCoy just beamed down. Did you also notice that the Guardian talked like? That yeah, he did have a different voice. Yeah, Completely it was, it was doing this time because they could they didn't get the original guardian. But why do they say all right? So don't only not try to impress or do an impression of you because the original guardian talked normally. It just had a big booming voice. He did this weird wizard thing, Doctor Venture, which was just so obnoxious. Also, doing can do. Yeah, the voice. That so I don't know what why did James think he was doing. Why is he making that joke? That's a good it joke. Never gets old. And then what else? What else was stupid? I mean, well, here, well here's part. the other thing too. At the end of the episode, when they come out of the Guardian, I think it's Bones that's also there. Now, like theoretically, he should have no idea what they were doing in the Guardian if we're following the same rules that applied at the beginning of the episode. But now he's following City on the Edge of Forever rules because he remembers them going into the Guardian to save Spock. No, he... no, no, it's Kirk. Kirk is on the surface and he remembers. Yeah, yeah. Like he, like, 
And so at the beginning of the episode, this people... too fucking nerds. Yes. So, I'm just lost in the logic. So, so at the beginning of the episode, Spock comes out of the Guardian and Bones doesn't recognize him. Yes. Even though he'd been on the surface. Even though he'd been on the surface. So now, so we so we know, regardless of what happened in City on the Edge of Forever, now we know that if you're on the surface and the timeline changes, you're, you change with it. Except at the end of the episode... Spock comes out of the Guardian and Kirk's waiting for him and Kirk's like, oh, did you save yourself? Yeah, mission accomplished? Uh? So now, in the, so in this timeline, he wasn't affected by yeah. the timeline. So Because theoretically, Kirk on the surface should have never rem- never right. experienced any of that stuff. Right, so we're like, why are you jumping out of there now? Yeah, boy, I've been here for hours, dude. What's I Spock? will give them credit for the fact that the jumping out of the Guardian effect was right yeah. And that they had that weird sort of slow motion effect mm. that they'd had in the show. So kudos to that. Also, why the actual pissing fuck, right? This makes no sense. These historians were like, we've got this goddamn portal. We can look at the whole of time and creation. Let's check out Vulcan 30 years ago. You could have just asked people! Mm. I thought they were doing that after the fact to find out what had happened to Spock. No, the reason Spock got fucked was because while Kirk and Spock were like the ancient history of Orion, they were like, we're just going to change the channel and watch Vulcan 30 years ago. You know what I'd like to know? Why was the Andorian so obviously a fucking villain when he had nothing to do at all with what went wrong? Yeah, I was waiting for him to like... Because he wasn't Spock. Well, because Andorians are, are always shown as... They said no, at one point they said Andorians are a warrior race, and I never under I, I don't think I've gotten that impression I yet. I feel like in the Journey to Babel they say something about like you know we fight if we have to, but I don't feel like. But I also disagree with your saying that they're duplicitous because the one that was duplicitous wasn't a real Andorian; he was an Orion. The other two were like, shit. We don't know why anybody would kill. No, that's the Tellarite, that's kind of fucked. Although in Enterprise, yeah. they run with the warrior. Well, things. we're not there yet. No, I know, and this is well before. Yeah, so I, think, I, think, I, think, I think I'm tainted. I think I'm tainted yeah, by, uh, by knowledge <laughs> of what goes on in Enterprise. Yeah, like, they're not taint. like. They're just like. They're kind of like. <laughs> they're not duplicitous, but they don't trust anyone. They're kind of. They're very Vulcan esque in Enterprise. They are. Which is why them and the Vulcans butt heads like, are fucking Like, they're dickheads. But they are more of a warrior race. Like. So that does get built on eventually. Eventually, but so. that's in like, like 30 not, years. Not at Klingon levels. He was like the ultimate red herring, though. He was. He shows up and he's like, I'm your first officer. And he'd make shifty eyes at one yeah. point. It would have been way better if it had been a Klingon first officer. because then we'd That be really like, would Or a Romulan. Ooh, but then Kirk would just be like, oh, I have a different Vulcan. Cool. Racist. <laughs> But yeah, that, that would have been a whole thing if, like, it's like, Spock... Kirk can tell the difference. No. That actually would have been a bit more interesting, though. It's like, so Spock... If we let you die, peace with the Klingons? Hmm. That might be worth one life, and Spock would have to be like, shit, it The might. needs of the many. But then, he wouldn't be there to save their ass in Wrath of Khan, and... It becomes a whole thing. Yeah. A whole thing, yeah. A whole thing. Don't worry, they didn't originally consider the animated series canon until relatively recently. Yay, canon! Until I think... Canon? 2006, when they released the DVD. Nice. As soon as you can make money off the merch, it's canon. That yep. makes sense to me. Basically. Uh, I can't wait till the Kelvin movies give us a, you know, creepy three-armed guy rendered in full CG. Mm. I am... Um, what? Uh, so, like, we were talking about the recycled animation thing. The thing that drove me crazy about this episode, because I did like this episode a lot, actually. I really liked it. Oh, and I did my quick research, too. This is the highest rated episode. It got an 8.2 
on IMDb, the show average is like 7.5 or something, 7.6 for the whole series. I really liked the episode. Again, I really, I cried a lot when the cell had died. But the thing that really annoyed me was when Sarek was like talking to Spock and like, you know, disciplining him. And they just had the same sound bite of him going, yes, father. <laughs> yes, father. Oh God, little I, Spock's voice actor. Little, yes, father. Little Spock's voice actor. His name, uh, the, the actor's name was Billy Simpson, and he came in. He came Billy. in for the audition reel to do the, the lines and, and you know see if they wanted to use him. They're really impressed by his and yes father. They called him up, and he's thinking, "Oh, good, they're gonna they're gonna accept me." And and he says, "Okay, so when are we gonna when, when are we gonna do our recording?" And they say, "We already did. We're gonna we're gonna use your audition footage." Huh. So. That's why it's not great. The 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 uh, Billy Simpson himself is not a fan of his work in this episode because it's clearly on a dish. Was he a child? Yes. All right, Billy Simpson, I forgive you. Then some duplicitous Hollywood Endorian. types ruined your day. Well, I hope he got paid properly. I was just gonna say, I bet he didn't. I bet they were like, ah, we're using your audition reel, which technically is our property. Yeah, like, like, like us, they so made, made motherfucker. Made him sign a release for the audition. They probably reel. did. They probably fucked him over. This poor little kid. I hope they paid him. Billy guys. Simpson, if you're out there and you're listening, do please get in touch with us. Let us know if Paramount fucked you over. It reminds me of, like, in uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when uh, they told... You guys seen the film, the original? Yeah, of course. So, like, you who, know... Who, who do you think you're talking to? Kid, I know, but I'm just saying. You never know. So, you know the scene where Grandpa Joe and Charlie have their I've Got a Golden Ticket singing moment? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know how Charlie Bucket sings like a fucking asshole and he's terrible? <laughs> so, the thing is, is they had told him, like... We're gonna dub in a real singer over you so you don't sound like shit. Oh, yeah, like Peter no. Ostrom, by his own admission, was kind of like, yeah, I didn't think I was a very good singer, but they told him they were gonna dub him. And they left it in. And they they didn't, didn't dub him, him. and he so was now mildly horrible. Well, at least that's worse. That's that's better than the than the poor actor that played Darth Vader. Yeah, who, who they didn't they who like they didn't tell him that they were gonna dub him. So when he oh, like no, he told he told all of his family like, hey, I'm in the sci-fi movie Star Wars. Let's, we should see it. And then like at the premiere, he's like, you can't see me, and it's not my voice. People are gonna think I was full of shit. Although I think he is credited. I think like David Prowse is credited as Darth Vader. Yeah. In, in Star Wars, um, James Earl Jones is not. I think they eventually added him later, though. Oh, really? I think it was actually James Earl Jones who asked not to be at first, or something like that. Yeah, well, then he became what a famous. Good guy. Anyway, Star Trek. Um, All right, Star Trek. So you two liked this episode. I should feel I, like you, I should let you talk about it because I mostly bitched about it for a while now. I, I just I don't know if I said if I could say I liked it. Firstly, I'm not, I'm not a fan of you know this kind of animation period, so it already brings me a step out of it. Sure. And also, it was a story about children, which already brings me several more steps out of it. Sure. And bad child acting, which is more egregious. But it didn't also like for Star Trek. It was just a Spock story, and we and almost nobody else. So that was a mm. little strange, if I admit. Yeah, it's a shame um, it wasn't a better one. Yeah, yeah. And I liked him like getting a chance to see his parents, and him being like, you know, Sarek, don't be such an asshole to your kid. Mm-hmm. Someday, your son might light the living room rug on fire. Go easy. Oh yeah, they say. Oh, you're you're known for oh, the yeah the the healer tells baby Spock. I don't know. You're you're known for pulling practical jokes, but does anyone what? say that Spock, the son of Sarek, is a liar? That's true. You're just a wise ass. I actually liked that. I thought that was a great moment. That was like a great like Spock using logic to get his way type of thing. And the choice about the cellar. 
Yeah, that was something DC Fontana and I think Roddenberry both fought for because they didn't, like, I think there was a lot of hesitation about including that on television, especially a, t- a kid's program. Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. Is, is, you know, showing them euthanizing a pet, and they were very adamant that they keep it because it's it's important to the story, it's important to Spock, and it's something, you know, kids should see and, and be acclimated to. Oh, yeah, I mean, I guess any kid, pretty much, that has a pet is going to have to someday deal with that in their life. So it make eh, I mean, I guess that makes sense that they would... Yeah, I think it's a... Like, as if, if then a parent could be like, oh, you know, Spock had to deal with this too, Johnny. Yeah, basically they said, Billy trust, trust Billy Dorothy. Simpson. Trust Dorothy because she's going to handle it well, and then it mm. sounds like they, they were happy with how it was handled. Yeah, I liked that. I actually thought that was... I really did cry. I was like, what the fuck is this cartoon doing to me? This terrible, poorly animated yeah. cartoon. And, like, even when he's, like, telling him, like, no, go back. You're too fat and old. And the thing was like, and I was like, oh, the poor it. And that's when I knew it was going to die. I was like, oh, you're not coming back, buddy. It was a little confusing that it wasn't it was meant to die in, in Spock, right. the man's timeline. Yeah. And like, that's the thing. The whole actual science fiction part of it just. Was, was like Fakakta. And I just went, you know what? I don't usually understand science fiction plots anyway. I'm just going to ignore it See, and focus I... on what I like. And I loved Spock with his mom. I just loved Spock doing Spock things. It was so sweet. Though I will call bullshit on being like, hi, oh, I forgot how beautiful forgot how beautiful uh, Vulcan is. And he goes out into the desert and everything wants to kill him. I'm like, yeah, it's a beautiful home world you got there, Spock. Actually, that's t- one thing that I've noticed that was interesting is even though the show wasn't apparently officially considered canon, you said, until 2006, some stuff, it seems, did leak into the shows because there is still an area on Vulcan referred to as the Forge which is this sort of awful particularly nasty part of the planet it didn't have weird tentacle plants or lizard poisoned things but there was there was a whole episode of Enterprise that involved trying to get through the Forge Mm, it's probably big Mm. it's probably probably lizard vines and and monsters all over the place god I hope not I just want to point out too that Khan in Wrath of Khan sure does kick up a lot of fuss for basically just living on Vulcan (laughs) (laughs) Spock's like, how beautiful is my home world? And Khan acts like it's a big fucking deal. (laughs) But yeah, I I couldn't get past the fact that the time travel made no sense. I just couldn't. Yeah, the time travel really didn't make sense. So here's the alternate version of this story. Spock goes back. Jake's fixing this episode. He goes out in... No, I'm not fixing it. (laughs) He goes out into the... uh, You know, he follows the kid out. And then right as he's about to save the kid, he sees another Vulcan that looks... A lot like him. Oh, no. Run in and save the kid. And and he's like, oh, shit. That was just my cousin. Oh. <laughs> I would have liked that. Better. And then he's just like, oh, fuck. And now he has to fight. How do I fix this? <laughs> that just makes Spock a racist because he thinks all his people look alike. <laughs> and then he has to kill his cousin and hide the body. And then live out his days in the past in as it, his cousin. In his beautiful homeworld of Vulcan. And watch himself grow up, <laughs> knowing he will suffer the same fate. I've always Damn. felt that way about Vulcan, though. That, that it, it was beautiful? No, that it looks like a fucking hellhole. It, like, it looks hard. It looks like, it looks like Australia. That's, no one would want to live there. That's why they can't sh- express any emotions. It's kind of like I laughed or stopped from crying, but it's really just I shut down my entire emotions, like, just so I don't... Do nothing but scream in horror at every turn. It does explain why they were assholes for so long. Mm. You know, I mean, sand gets everywhere. Yeah. I and mean, it's horrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that, or whatever that line yeah, is. Yeah. 
But yeah, that, if I lived there, I'd be in a bad mood too. Everywhere. There it is, yeah. But yeah, no. I, I, I'd like to know how they managed to keep all their their super high tech smart computers all good with like all that sand blown around. They invented what? How do you feel? Oh, huh. They say they just invented. I do not understand the question. Airtight computers really early. Hmm. They all yeah. have that really high water and dust What's rating. Like, you know. Whenever you we've seen Vulcan, like, you know most of most of the vistas of Vulcan we've seen have been amok time, which was like a ceremonial place. So you can understand that being out in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and then we also see it in Star Trek Three. Yep, and it's like another ceremonial place, and it's the same deal where you can like, okay, I can understand this being like some ancient site, middle of nowhere kind right. of thing. But like you would think that the cities would be just like regular cities. But they're kind of not, no. as far as we can tell, as no. far as we've seen. Well, they definitely go there, again, like, at least once or twice in Enterprise, but mm-hmm. I don't remember if they show you any, like, establishing shots of cities first. You definitely see a house, and the houses are much more normal than this weird 70s fever dream thing mm-hmm. that they were living in I in like this. I feel like it looks pretty shit in the Kelvin timeline films, too. Although I do think, I do recall them having an establishing shot of the city where it actually looks... Like, but it's like still built onto a mountain, though. So. Yeah, like that, that's one thing that's pretty cool. They've got the like the Vulcan Science Academy built down out from the underside of a cliff, mm. which you know. Fuck that! Yeah, scary. Oh, speaking of which, I also did notice that the um, the children picking on Spock scene in this episode was was very was mirrored later in the Kelvin timeline. Yeah, film. Yeah. I, I still say, say that's thinking that too. I still say that is not Vulcan behavior. It's but it, like it's basically the same. Well, I mean, it's kids' behavior. I think is the idea that kids, Vulcan, kids are Vulcan or otherwise, are still shitheads to each other. Well, right, and because they even say, like Spock says here, and we've heard before, it's not that Vulcans don't have emotions. It's just that they've learned to control them. And kids, much like kids on Earth, don't understand morality, so they don't mind treating people like shit. Yeah, but they're all at their age. What what is their freaking? They're seven. Yeah, but they're about to do this maturity test, the Kazwan matru- maturity well, test. Those they should all be there. Are, those Vulcan children are going to die. They're going to be like seven? Did they say seven? I thought he was seven, wasn't he? Or Maybe. Ten? Something. No. Well, this is pawn far enough. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> Damn it! Um, pawn far mitzvah? Ah, uh, oh, that's weird. Yeah, uh, you're you, right. Fuck no, I didn't invite, mean it that do way. Do you invite your whole family and like you maybe on Vulcan? You and well, but you already have your betrothed, so she would be there. That's true. Or he? Yeah. Um, or they? Go on, Chris. I had a thought and it just fizzled. Right, well, I had a quick thought. Yes. They, um, Spock, when trying to, get the, to chat with Dad and not displaying that he's. His son mm. uh, is saying, "Oh yeah, I'm just here to go worship the Vulcan gods." Yeah, I don't know anything about Vulcan religion. So I don't think what? What? Is, who are their? Well, I don't think how it comes they, up ever again? How do they? What do they believe? Is is their god not Hephaestus? <laughs> no. <laughs> nice. Their god is science. That's what I mean, though. I feel like they would have eschewed religion a long time ago. And I, again, I mean, I don't know for certain, but does the uh, concept of Vulcan religion ever come up again? I mean, they're definitely spiritual, but <laughs> that like, spiritual but not religious. They're like they're more like Eastern Eastern religion. Yeah, they they are definitely like yes, you're right in that it's like this is what your average sort of white writer thinks. They're you know East 
stern in big scare quotes. It's probably kind of like how in Japan a lot of people still practice Shintoism by like going to the shrine on New Year's Day, but most of them don't actually believe in the principles of Shinto. I suppose that's actually a good way to put it. But in but and it does reinforce your idea of like Eastern religion because obviously Shinto is a Japan thing. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it's I don't know. It it was weird the idea that, like I'm on a pilgrimage to worship gods and it's just like that doesn't sound logical. Well, it could be like a pilgrimage type of situation too where they just do it. Yeah, yeah but that thing I would even done. I would even accept it like I'm it's a pilgrimage to see fucking what's his name guy that invented their logic and shit. Uh, uh, Fuck, I don't... Yeah, Abraham Lincoln. Yeah. Um, the Vulcan what? Abe Lincoln. Yeah. Abe to, Lincoln. To go see Abe Lincoln's tomb. Oh, you know? the guy from oh, that episode. Sarek. I... No, Sarek's his father. Sarek is his father. What did you say? Sarek. That's not it, though. No, okay. it's... Well, um, it's written in a card yeah. away over there. Sorry, I thought you were talking about Shintoism <laughs> still. Oh, no, sorry. Sorry. But yeah, it's just been like a pilgrimage to see fucking Abe Lincoln's tomb there. Like, that would have made a little more sense than mm. the gods. I like that his cover name is his dad's name, but with like a switchy switcheroo on the consonants. What's your name? Salik. I never thought of that. Salik, yeah. Silica. Silica gel. I was reading in a in a the making of Star Trek at one point, and originally there was a memo going around about how, like what the the Vulcan naming technique would be. And for a while it was, well, there, it's all, there are going to be five-letter names that begin in SP and end in K, and the middle two letters are whatever else. So it'll be like Sprick and Spork and Spock and Spelk. I got they and, dumped that. Yeah, they didn't do that. Uh, they broke that rule the first time we met another Vulcan. So. Thank God. Well, and it, you know, it seems like more often, not always, but more often than not, it's usually the Vulcan women's names are T apostrophe. Not always, again. I, mean, I bet that's are, almost like a... Savage. I bet that's names. almost like a... Of so-and-so. Mm. Almost every Vulcan we meet, their name begins with either an S or a T. Tuvok. Oh, I wonder if it's just that, like... Except except Varus. And maybe, the, maybe the first... Well, maybe the first Vulcans were all... Had men's names A and women's names B. And then they cycled through that. Then the next generation was mm. C and D. Because if we got to... Don't laugh. Because if you said Varus was the next one, it was a woman. Mm-hmm. So that would S-T-U-V... If they're the next generation or a something. Tuvok. The one failing of this theory Damn. is that that relies on the Vulcans using our alphabet. Mm. Whatever. Oh, well, maybe that's the, the interpretation of their name using our alphabet. Yeah. Mm. There we go. But, and actually, is Cybok spelled with an S? Yes. Yeah. So it still works, except for Tuvok. Well, well Tuvok works. Well, oh, not for your theory. Because Varys came well before him. Yeah, Varys would have been before him. Although... No, actually, he's pretty old, isn't he? Yeah, because he turned but, 100 in yeah. Voyager. He worked on the Enterprise... No, the Excelsior. He worked on the Excelsior under... Yeah, he, he actually, he would have been before because he was at the... He was on the Excelsior during the explosion of Praxis. Yeah. So, yes, he is older or of the same age as Varys. Yeah. So they just cycle through. I guess well, they, he could also be younger, because we have no idea how old Varys is. Although she was freshly out of the Academy, though. Wasn't she? It was her first... Yeah. Oh, is that yeah, Kirstie yeah, Alley and then somebody no, else? No, no that's, uh, that's Kim Cattrall. Yeah, that, yeah. Kirstie Alley was Sadek. Yep. Who does fit the paradigm. Anyway, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, got off course again, because these episodes are terrible. Yeah. Did you guys notice that Vulcan had a moon? That's no moon. Did it? Those yep. fuckers. Yeah. Well, it has like three in the motion picture. 
Uh, Rod- Roddenberry and Fontana both requested the animators not include a moon, but they did it anyway. By some... Fuckers. Well, some lack of communication. I mean, in the Abrams film, I don't know if it's a moon, but there is an ice planet... Within, really nearby. Within, like, not, like, closer, probably, than our moon is to us, considering how good a view Spock has. J.J. Abrams has no fucking sense of scale. Yeah. In his Star true. Wars, in his Star Trek, he thinks the universe is really small. Mm. Like, I don't, I actually, again, I like his Star Trek movie. I even like Episode Seven, but it is really hard to deal with the fact that he has no fucking sense of scale. For all we know, Delta Vega, or whatever it is that he dumped Kirk off at, mm, Hoff. was in a completely different solar system. But as far as he's concerned, solar systems are, like, right next to each other. This is true. Well, yeah, but I mean, most people can't even but I mean, conceive of the vastness of space, like the actual vastness of space. He's particularly bad. Well, I didn't even notice, so I'm obviously also particularly bad. Mm. I just assume that shit's always further away than it looks because time. Objects in mirror are further yeah. away than they appear. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, what's, what's everyone's sort of hopes and dreams for the rest of this based on the first two? Uh, I hope it's over quickly. Did I fall asleep through some of the episodes? I mean, it will be over quickly, which is the good thing. I think we will definitely, for now, stick to three per, just because the faster we're through this, the better. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of hoping to at least see some more interesting art, like the the spider beehive. Yeah, like... that's at least something interesting. Yeah, you you get to have bigger spaces, you get to have more interesting aliens and this and that. Maybe the writing will get better at some point. I'm certain the animation doesn't. No, that's going to remain garbage. Well, well, it'll probably actually get worse, to be honest. Yeah. There's technically two seasons, and I bet season two will look even rougher. Well, I bet season two will just be all the same... Like shots of Spock at the console from this angle and this angle, yeah, with his face tilted this way or this way, yeah, and that's all we, all we get for any time they're talking. Oh, it's it's gonna be a slog. Yeah. On the plus side, it'll make the opening season of TNG feel a lot better. Yeah. Well, but we'll also to be fair, yeah, it's gonna say all the movies in between. So. Yeah, but also Star Trek Five will be there, so. Mm. That'll help as well. So with that, we have begun Star Trek the Animated Series. That seems about right. (laughs) Please join us next week for One of Our Planets is Missing. Great title, guys. Oh boy, brother. Oh, where to go? Where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Dude, where's my planet? The Lorelei signal, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, and it's supposed to be good. It's supposed to be awesome. I can't wait to see that. Yeah, but fucking yesteryear was supposed to be good. And more tribbles. More More troubles. I'm sure that won't be hot garbage. (laughs) I've got 99,000 problems and they're all tribbles. Uh, (laughs) That's good. But a bitch still ain't one. Oh, God. So, please find and like our Facebook page, a star to steer her by. We are also on Tumblr and Twitter as SSHB Podcast. Please do consider subscribing to us on your favorite podcasting application. And if you use iTunes, please give us a rating and review. For a star to steer her by, this has been Chris. This has been Ames. This has been Caitlin. And this is always Jake. Thank you for listening. Please don't leave us. It'll be over soon. (laughs) (laughs) So lonely. That's a great laugh. Um, oh, oh man, we gotta make it. We gotta have a, a, a merch shirt that's 
Spock doing the the Dwayne Johnson eyebrow. I would love that with the Vulcan eyebrows. Do you smell what the Spock's cooking? I think we should. That's what we got to do is write to Paramount and get them to put Stan in the next Kelvin movie and get The Rock to play him. Ooh, Ooh. I like it. I would fucking leave Zach Quinto for Dwayne the Stan Johnson and (laughs) Dwayne the Stan (laughs) Stanson. Easy for you to say. Dwayne the Spock. Spock Johnson. Johnson. We'll eventually finish the synopsis. Yes. No, we won't. No, no, we probably won't. 